everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. We are here today with the very first Tuna Town Talks podcast, and uh, just to give you guys a little bit of insight, I'm going to start off by talking about myself and uh, what, what the intentions of the Tuna Town podcast really are. And so uh, I'll just go ahead and dive right in it. So my name is Paul Miller. I'm an inshore captain down here in Venice, Louisiana. And uh, I've been down here for about six years now. Um, Started off doing a lot of the offshore. I fished with uh, Voodoo for a year. And then I I worked for a private company called Brand for a while. Uh, A lot of people might have met me through there. And uh, now I'm uh, currently an inshore captain with Mexican Gulf Fishing Company. Uh, I've been working with them for about a year and a half now, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, my life's pretty much <laughs> everything I could ask for right now. And I just wanted to give uh, people a little bit more insight on what, what's going on down here in Venice and uh, talk about you know the captains and their stories. I mean, that's one of the main things that keeps me fishing is just hearing all the incredible stories uh, week after week that these people tell and not all of them just about all of them go undocumented so this is just uh an opportunity for uh for us to start documenting some of these stories so that they don't just get uh, washed away um so we're going to talk about that and then also um uh, focus a little bit on conservation and hopefully i'll end up interviewing some of the tournament winners uh throughout the northern gulf and various different tournaments and stuff because i know those guys always have crazy stories about coming in on late late run-ins and different things like that um so with that i'll go ahead and introduce my first guest which is a really good friend of mine uh captain joey davis tell everybody hey joey yeah what's happening man um happy to be here happy to be on the first episode pretty excited for what this has to uh bring so yeah it is actually pretty crazy uh joey joey is actually one of the reasons uh i'm down here uh he got me my first gig down in venice which is really cool because we just had an epic day about four days ago um and we'll talk a lot more about that story uh, toward the end of the podcast and what happened later this week but uh yeah i mean joey you know i i the way I got down here in Venice, there was a, there was a, I got a lead through uh, Voodoo to, to they needed a, a deckhand, and uh, Joey was a friend of mine from back home, so he kind of helped me out get in there, and so I can't thank you enough for that, Joey. I mean, it's really been an awesome ride all the way through Venice, and seeing the way everything's changed over the years, it's, it's really cool, and all the friends we've made, it's, it's really awesome, so um, but uh, we'll go ahead and start off the podcast, by, uh, we'll get Joey to start talking to us a little bit like how you got into fishing what really what really set it for you uh and then maybe go into what what made you become a guide and uh you know just tell us tell us a little bit about that and then we'll we'll go from there yeah so growing up my dad always bass fished you know I used to bass fish with my dad a lot as a kid and um kind of you know fell in love with fishing from that point forward and then I guess probably about the time I was in high school, you know, I started having friends that had offshore boats and stuff like that. And um, we, you know, we'd go offshore fishing on high school friends' boats. And then, you know, kind of, (laughs) we started on bay boats. We would take the bay boats probably further than they should have been taken. (laughs) Then we would go from the bay boats, you know, as we got older, got, you know, a little bit bigger boats, we'd go a little further. And then, you know, as the boats got bigger, we went further and further. And, you know, we ended up down in Venice fishing. 
every now and then, you know, trying to come down here. And right. Yeah. Team. Venice is like the way to get to everything. Right. So it's right. like it kind of it's it's weird that you say that because like me growing up, I mean, I grew up on a 24 foot pro line. A lot of people might know my dad, Mark Miller. But uh, that was kind of it. You know, it was always about trying to get to that cleaner water, the bigger fish. It was like always trying to push push further and further i think that's where a lot of the addiction comes yeah, from in a lot definitely. of ways i remember you know being in high school we were offshore fishing out of mississippi and it seemed like you always heard stories about venice louisiana and it was like man you know if we could only make it down to venice you know it's like epic that's where you know that's the end all be all basically mm-hmm. so you know coming down here and i started coming down here more and more as i got into college <clears throat> and then you know I was blessed enough to finally land a job down here and, you know, kind of just went from there pretty much, you know. Yeah, who'd you start fishing with first? Uh, Captain Will Wall. I um, Actually, the first, let's see, the first year I started fishing with him, that that winter, we had caught my first 200-pound yellow fin fishing with the Zaya brothers. And really? I did, oh, I, I do remember seeing pictures of that. that was pretty yeah, crazy. so that was in March. Wow, let's see. March of 2011, so maybe that was a couple years before, but that's how I met Will, you know, we, right. we became friends through that, and then, I, I don't remember exactly what year, maybe it was 2011, 2012, somewhere around that time, I came down and started uh, decanting for Will, and, you know, he just kind of hit me up on a whim and asked me if I wanted to come down. And as he likes to say, I had nothing but a truck in my first name. <laughs> so, <laughs> He's given a lot of people that uh, yeah, that shot. Before. That's his. That's his. Uh, his line. That's his line. <laughs> but came down here with nothing but a pickup truck in my first name. And <laughs> funny story, when I first came down to fish with Will, I remember. I mean, dude, I'm talking just the last years of college, dead broke. You know, right out of college, and <clears throat> I um. I think I had just gotten a paycheck for like a hundred bucks and um he was like man you know you want to come down and fish with me if you don't mind pick me up a half gallon of crown and some steaks on the way down so <laughs> so I'm on the way down here and I mean I don't know how, what a half gallon of crown is now but I mean I think it was like 40 or 50 bucks at the time oh I didn't have enough to buy us two ribeyes and have gas to make it down here so I bought like two flake steaks or like something cheap, some right. skirt steaks or right. something. You, you want you, you want to fulfill his order yeah, for sure. I, He's I, giving you a shot. You yeah, can't. Exactly. <laughs> so I go, uh, I go to get the, these steaks and I put gas in my truck. And dude, I swear, like I had enough gas to get here. I had a half gallon of Crown Royal and two of the cheapest steaks I could find from the, <laughs> the market. <laughs> And I get down here, and Will's like, what the hell is this, man? Like, what kind of steaks are these? I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> but, it'll, get, it'll, it'll make it work. <laughs> yeah, so, man, I came down here and fished with him for a while. I mean, it was, I had a lot of fun, dude. I stayed at his camper, and we'd wake up and eat eggs and boudin every morning. I weighed about 240 pounds when I started working for him, and... <laughs> A year later, I was about 280. <laughs> uh, that's the story of Venice, man. That that happens. A lot of uh, bad stuff. So you started working with Will, and then where was your first captain gig? You got on with... Uh... <clears throat> so I worked with Will, and then uh, I left Will and went to fish with Eddie Berger for a little bit. <clears throat> then I left Eddie, and I went and fished on... Uh, uh, big sport fish for a while. Oh yeah, that's right. You did then that. I went to fish with Voodoo, 
And then Trey actually gave me my first captain job, so. Right, right. That was pretty cool. That's where that's where me and you met. It was like, so whenever, uh, I guess, Trey was buying his second boat, that contender, and then I came, I came, that's when Chad needed a, a deckhand, Captain Chad, and then that's when I came into the picture there. Uh, it was like, I guess it was around March, about the same time. Um and I, st- I started that cannon with Chad, and I, I remember that so crazy because I, you know, my whole life you you grow up with the uh, sport fishing magazine, and you see all the pictures of these contenders and yellow fins, and oh yeah, no. and that was my first time to Venice, and I remember <clears throat> like looking around all these boats, which it's nothing compared. I mean, this was six years ago, which is nothing compared to what it is now. It's it's blown up. Insanely, there was not a single quad engine boat. I remember, dude, when I first started working for Trey, and I laugh all the time now. It's like, you know, it's it's the norm to fish on a half million dollar boat. Yeah, it's crazy. And I remember when I first started working for Trey, getting on that, you know, thirty nine yellowfin, and just being like, "This is insane, Mama, we made it." (laughs) (laughs) That's how it was for me. And I remember getting on that boat, and I was and. and in my mind, I was like, I'm going to do nothing in my power to mess up this job. Because this is like, this is my dream, you know. All I wanted to do was fish and travel. And this was going to give me an opportunity to fish for eight or nine months, save enough money the way I can get out of the country and travel. That was that was kind of my deal. And I remember I was like, man, there's nothing that I'm going to do to mess up this job. And, and I kind of stayed true to that for an entire year. And uh and then once I we ended up parting ways after that one year, which it was it was a really fun year of fishing though. I, I really enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I remember sitting there on those boats and just being like, man, these guys aren't even that much older than me, and they're 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 driving around boats. I, I thought I had to be a doctor to be on. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> so you kind of like, you kind of sell your soul to charter fish. It seems yeah. like, like you have to, you man. Get, in order to make it, you have to love it, and you have to yeah. you have to really like. I say sell your soul. I mean, you just. You're definitely giving up a lot of a lot of your other life to be able to fish on these awesome center consoles and do what we do. Yeah, I mean I love it and you know it's awesome, but you definitely give up a lot to be able to do all that. You know. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You definitely do. Yeah. And then um, so from there, uh, I guess you guys, uh, you and uh, Neil went in on the the relentless. Yeah. So um, it kind of. I don't know, man. It was a weird deal. We pulled up to Cypress Cove one day, and Adam, that works at Cypress Cove, was talking about, uh, you know, Mike Ellis was trying to get out of fishing. And, you know, I had talked to Trey numerous times about, you know, when I was working for him, like, man, it's because, you know, he would work for somebody else and then kind of went out on his own. And I was like, you know, is there like, is there, how, how is it whenever you go try to go on your own? You know, is there a time where you're like, okay, it's time or whatever? And he, he always told me, he's like, man, it, you know, you'll just know, like, whenever it's time to do your own thing, you know, it's just kind of the time will come and, you know, the opportunity will present itself and that's what you do. And, <clears throat> you know, well, I pulled up to the dock one day and Adam was like, hey, man, you know, Mike Ellis is selling his company. Y'all need to look into that. And, you know, Neil was like, man, you know, I think we can make this happen. So right, that's kind of how it went. And, man, it was it was really stressful. You know, I mean, it was a... Well, charter business is a hard business to make it in, man. Yeah. It really is. It's... Especially somewhere where Venice, there's so much competition and so much money backing everywhere. Oh, yeah. It's, no, I it's mean, nuts. <laughs> this is, you know, we joke about it all the time. It's like, you know, for for a tournament fisherman, you know, you go to one tournament, you know, during tournament season, there's maybe one every week or whatever. And, 
you know, every day, every time you show up to fish a tournament, you got you got a week to prepare for it. When you're fishing yeah. in Venice, Louisiana, you're fishing against some of the best fishermen, in my opinion, and I'm biased in the world. Yeah. And it's a tournament every day. I mean, you're trying to be the man every day. You know, you're trying to prove to your clients <clears throat> why they should have booked with you, why they needed to fish with you, and yeah. you know, it's no, I can definitely attest with that, saying that we have some of the best fishermen in the world, and 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 you know. It's not. It's not just the the people. I mean, we have great fishermen as well, but the technology that we have here in the United States when it comes to fishing is something that they don't have everywhere else in the world. Even in Australia and stuff. I mean, people are still bottom fishing with J hooks and stuff like that. You know, and like simple things that we that we take for granted are the norm for us. But in other places around the world, like we've learned how to use all this stuff to our advantage. In other places in the world, they haven't actually like right. even in Australia. Like they talk about when I was when I was in Australia, they talk a lot of the fishermen talk about how much so of, of the fishing in, innovation comes from America and people bring it over there. Right. right. So this is kind of where it comes from. So I, I I definitely agree with that. Whenever people say you know like some of the best fishermen in the world come out of Venice, I mean there's and there's a lot of truth man, in that. We're biased, of course. Right. Like, I was about <laughs> to say you know we're biased, and I'm. By no means. I mean, I have some really good fishing friends in Florida and Texas and all over. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying the only best fishermen. Yeah, some of those. <laughs> hey, those guys on the East Coast, they can make those ballet who swim past the boat. Yeah, right. <laughs> they definitely can, man. They got some skills. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, uh, all right. So, I guess from here, uh, let's talk about, uh, well, let's just go ahead and talk about one or two stories that really stick out over the last, you know, however long, six or seven years that you've been doing this stuff down here in Venice, you know, what are, what is one or two of those stories that really just stick out that, that you think people would just love to hear? Cause I know you got, you probably got 50 of them. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I always make the joke, you know, like I could have clean ice, <laughs> I could have clean ice or Joe would have clean ice or whatever, but Joe would always come back with a story. <laughs> definitely yeah, no, one of the better storytellers I, I down in Venice. I definitely like a story, man. You know, yeah. I, it's, my, it's, my half goal, the, it's half of it when goal, it comes to fishing. My right? goal is. is for Paul catches one fish, I catch one fish. I want my story to be better than Paul's. Hell yeah. <laughs> so. No doubt. Uh, no, man. I mean, honestly, other than the other day when we fished together, I mean, that was definitely probably top three or top five best. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into but, that uh, one toward the end. I don't know, man. Uh, I would have to say one that sticks out in my mind is uh, – Foe was on the boat again, my buddy Foad. The guy with the horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we were we had planned on doing some filming, and man, I have been following this rural red shrimp boat. You know, see, I've seen it out there every day, and you know, wanted to go check it, but the fishing was really good in on the shelf at that time, so we, you know, we were catching our tunas, and you know, didn't really end up going to it. And one day, man, I was just like, I've got to go check it, and we pull up, dude. And, I mean, it was like, I think I threw, like, five pogies in the water, and it looked like a herd of cattle came off the back of the shrimp boat, dude. Nothing but yellowfin? Nothing but yellowfin. All oh, giants. Oh, my God. And um, it was pretty funny, actually. So, Foe had his cameras on the boat, and I throw these uh, I throw these baits out, and I'm like, hey, Foe, get a line in the water. And he sticks his camera in the water. I'm like, dude, what, what are you doing? He's like, I promise you, you want this footage more than you want me to hook one. He's like, it's not going to be that difficult. Just hook them. And, dude, I mean, we sat there. I don't know, you know, I don't know how long we were on these fishes, you know, three, four hours, something like that. But, um, man, I mean, we had a 160, 161, a 150, you know, 
four or five tunas, and you know we stopped. We were just feeding them right there, watching them swim next That's to the boat. It was absolutely incredible. I remember, see, I remember seeing that footage. If if anybody wants to see the footage, I'm sure you could go back on Joey's Instagram page and and find it. But that that footage alone was just. I mean, it gave me chills because, like, I know I wanted to be there blasting one in his face. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, dude, I'm telling you, like, were you prepared for it that no, day? Like, did you have no. you didn't have no, like the big reels no, or nothing like had, that? <laughs> so we had been floater fishing, and uh, yeah. So guys, like, for the people listening, like, whenever we fish way offshore, we're typically not catching these bigger, these really giant tunas. Uh, a lot of times, we're expecting to catch the small ones, so we, we'll gear up differently depending on if we're gonna if we think we're gonna be able to catch you know these 100 plus pound fish and so for you to stumble across something you know obviously in a different time of year where you're not really prepared prepared for that i'm sure that was pretty chaotic (laughs) because you know it's it's a lot different fighting a 150 pound fish on 130 pound class tackle versus you know 60 pound class tackle i mean that's that's light years different but you can go ahead and tell us like what you were using that day I think we had uh, like 60 pound on all of them or whatever, maybe 80 pound, I don't remember, but you know, we pull up and I throw baits at like four of them as soon as we get up. <laughs> you quadrupled instantly? Yeah, quadrupled and it was like, you know, two of them chafe off one and you know, whatever, fight one forever and right, right. it was wild, dude. I mean, you know, obviously after everything settled down, Foe looks at me, he's like, dude, you know, these things are going to stay with us. Let's just put some bigger gear on. I was just so fired up whenever they yeah, they yeah. first came up. You know, I wanted to hook as many as we could. But it was, it was, I mean, it was definitely one of the craziest things I've Yeah, that's seen. one thing, too, is like, you know, like, it's hard to really say that whenever you're tuna fishing because uh, a lot of times, I mean, sometimes you're right. Like, they'll stay with you or you feel like you can, you know, you got time. But a lot of times, I mean they'll bite last 10 minutes a lot of days <laughs> yeah so you kind of get it in your soul like you just gotta make it happen when it's there and not really you know worry about the rest but no, but i can tell you this though like i'll never forget that day <clears throat> like i said you know whenever whenever you're fishing out of venice marina or you know anywhere down in venice cypress Cove, whatever you know there's some phenomenal charter captains down here and it's always a good feeling whenever you have a box like that. You're pulling back in and just that feeling of, like, you know, you really got them. And especially that was the first year we had Relentless. So, you know, I mean. Yeah, you're you know, trying to prove yourself. For sure. Yeah, you're trying to, you know, make your mark and, you know, show your worth. And it was it was a good feeling, you know. It was, it was really cool to do that. So Yeah, that's awesome. And, and just, uh, I know there's one story that I'm kind of included with. Not right. I wasn't on the boat or anything, but. Uh, a lot of people, and I, and I'm gonna go ahead and say this because I know it's true, but there's been more 200 pound yellowfin caught in the last year and a half than my entire time in Venice, and I'll say that without a doubt in my mind. Times ten, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it I is, mean, but I there's more the 200 pounders around now than there ever has been. But I remember when I was working with Chad, and it was it was uh, I think it was late fall or some or early fall, and uh, that was when you guys you and uh, you and uh, Kyle, Kyle caught yeah. that two thirteen, no, and that, that was, was a crazy story. So we'll get into that a little bit, but yeah, yeah, just go ahead and touch on the fact that there are more two hundred pound yellowfin in Venice now than yeah, no, there um, has been. Um, first, so we'll t- we'll talk about the story first, and we'll we'll talk about why there's more two hundred pound yellowfin now. But yeah, uh, that's fun. <clears throat> so, yeah, so Paul had been telling me about, 
Man, you know, we've been catching bait at these. Buoys. Yeah, so that's the start of it. There was these 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 uh, mooring cans. Whenever they were moving the Arco rigs, they had big and little Arco. And in order to do all that, they have to put out these mooring cans so that the supply boats and things could have a place to go. And these mooring cans were in like how much foot? How many feet of water? Four or five hundred like, feet? Yeah, I think the Arco's feet. were six hundred fifty or something. So it's like right on the shelf. This is like the perfect spot to put a bunch of cans. Like, yeah, it was like I think everybody at that time in Venice was like, please don't pull up these things. They held so much bait, so many fish. Like, yeah, it was, it was insane. You could catch your bait there, run offshore. The fish were all over the rigs, right to the side. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead and continue. Yeah, so <laughs> so every day, you know, I was actually fishing some shelf rigs at that time, staying close, and Paul kept telling me, man, dude, every morning we catch bait. We're, we're both working for Voodoo at the time. And he kept telling me every morning, man, we're, while we're making bait, I'm watching these giant elephants blow up. And I was like, have you tried to catch them? He's like, no, man, I mean, the fishing's been so good offshore, we've just been running out there. I was like, oh, okay, you know, so... The, the following morning or, you know, not long after, we had a pretty early day in close on the shelf. And I was like, dude, let's go, ch- let's catch some big baits and we'll go check out, you know, those buoys that Paul was talking about. Right, because all the baits that were there were like tiny little, what we call tuna cracks. I mean, these were like, you know, three to four inch hardtails. The, the ones that you want for offshore, but not really one, those, those don't really entice your bigger fish. <laughs> yeah, so we pull up there the first day. And we put the big baits out, and I was, I mean, I, dude, it had to be 10 minutes, you know, and catch a 150-pound yellowfin. Roll back to the dock, we got a handful of, you know, 30, 40 pounds. That was a big deal then, because, like, everybody was catching floater fish, so, like, you yeah. bring a 150-pounder, like, oh. Yeah, so, <laughs> I get back, and I tell Paul about it, and I'm like, dude, I was like, you told me about that, those fish, dude, like. I said, you know, it didn't take any time we pulled up and we caught that one. And uh, he was like, hell yeah, man, you know, that's awesome. So we, um, the next day, we repeated the process. We caught bait, ran to, uh, I think we were fishing 109 or something, and went and whacked a handful of smaller ones and pulled back over there. And I actually, Kyle's dad, who is my Dennis from childhood. I actually, he was my coach playing T-ball, all that. That's another was, one of your good luck customers. Yeah, another good, yeah, I remember. good luck customer. <laughs> um, he I remember was on that boat. And Bo Hamilton and Dr. Salone. They're all guys, uh, South Mississippi guys from back home. And we pull up, and, you know, I'm telling them, like, yeah, you know, we set up just like this yesterday, and our bike came at, it was like 1101, you know, and I was like, whether I really believe that we were going to get bit at the same time or not, I don't know. But, you know, I was playing the game like, yeah, look, they're going to bite at this time, you know, blah, 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 blah. So we set up, and I'm like, yeah, look, at 11, something yesterday, we hooked up. The fish jumped out of the water on the bait, ate it outside in, blah, 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 blah. And I kid you not, it was like I had called that fish before I got there and told him when he needed to bite. I put the baits out. I tell him my whole spill about, you know, whatever. Look back, 213-pound yellowfin comes skying out the water. Oh, my gosh. Wow, so he, like, legit, like, it wasn't like a hole in the water. He came oh, all no, the no, way out the, the water. The six feet out of the water. Oh, the my fish. God. 
That's crazy. That's got to be. I don't think I've ever seen a 200 pound um, yellowfin. I mean, sickles flared out, you know, just whole fish. I mean, I'm not kidding. The whole fish was six feet out of the water. You put your chills down your back. Oh, dude. dude. The funny thing is, Kyle was up in the box trying to rearrange all the tunas we had caught that morning. And uh, (laughs) I was like, oh my God. I was like, dude, Kyle, this fish is way bigger than the one we caught yesterday. And Kyle's like, we caught a 150 yesterday, Joe. It can't be that much bigger. I said, I told you, he's way bigger than the one we caught yesterday. <laughs> and then, to make things even better, so we gaffed this fish. How long it. was the fight? No. We fought it for about an hour. An hour? Yeah, yeah, but, I mean, I was geared up for those fish that day. So you know? what, what kind of attack were you we using? Were, like? I was using a pin 50, and I had, like, 100-pound top shot, 100-pound leader, not all mustache. That's crazy you say that, because I remember looking at that top shot like it was yesterday. That shit looked like yarn, bro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was all stretched out. Oh, dude, it was all tore up. But, uh, so, we caught that fish pretty good. I mean, we put a bunch of heat on him, you know, I'd say 20-plus pounds of drag. And, um, caught that one. And we're running back in, you know, awesome day. We've got a handful of smaller tunas. We got this 200-pounder. And we passed some chichi birds, kind of working the top top of the water. And uh, Kyle's dad runs up there, throws a popper out, and hooks another one on a popper. The like, same day. The same, like ten minutes later, a big giant one on top of the water. Holy moly! And uh, we ended up losing that fish. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle comes back all bummed, like it, it actually like blew up my spinning reel. The spinning reel locked up, so he peeled a bunch of line off, cut it, and tried to splice it into a 50 and you know sometimes the things you see on the internet and on the tv don't work that well <laughs> that was one of those times <laughs> wow so y'all spinning real blew up and you tried oh, to we, do that it was shot i, mean, I did I, that one time as a deckhand on a shark a big bull shark and it, that's the only time i've seen it work <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> it, of course it will work on a shark <laughs> yeah not a tuna though not a big tuna but, uh, like that that's no. crazy so Kyle's all bummed out, and I'm like, Kyle, we have a 200-pound yellowfin in the box. He's like, oh, I don't know if it's 200. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, it's 200 pounds. And then we get back and, you know, weigh the fish, and, yeah, it was incredible. It was a pretty cool Yeah, I, I remember that all together because uh, I remember going through those cans every day, and I ha- I had a – I was on a, a Wahoo Fiend, so Joe's getting up to make him another drink. <laughs> but I, I I remember like wahoos have always been one of my favorite fish to catch uh, for a long time, and it was I, th- I want to say it was like late September or something that time. But I remember September at those 26th. cans, yeah, it was like at those cans, and I remember telling Chad I was like, man, we marked wahoos this morning. We we had got done with our tunas like super early that morning. And we we needed something to do, and he he was gonna go catch beeliners or something. I was like, man, screw that, man. Let's just go back to the buoys and try to catch a wahoo. And uh, I think we ended up catching two or three wahoos. But man, I I real I like those. That is one one of the things that I wish they could still keep out there. Were those uh, Arco buoys, man? Those things hold. Those things held way more fish than what people actually fished them. And and the, and, and and to you know say that again, like. Chad didn't really want to fish those buoys because he didn't want a lot of people fishing them. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, I, you know, that, that's one of, I mean, and it's true. It is true. If people see you bringing a lot of fish off of something, you know, people are going to fall suit. And, and that's one of the reasons why social media has been so terrible for fishing. 
but terrible and good. I mean, good. It's a it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a double edged sword. There's no doubt about it. But um, yeah, no, there's those those buoys, man. I wish they were still there. <laughs> I wish a lot of those rigs. I wish the arcos. Were yeah, still the arcos are still there. Yeah, I know they're talking about pulling up Lena right now, aren't they? Yeah, they've been I talking think, about. I it think it's years. gonna be. I heard it was going to be going by March. It might be gone. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been, been out there. there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not gone. That's crazy. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, talk about this Monday. You want to go ahead and talk about that, or you got another story you want to? Yeah, no. Um, Monday. Man. <laughs> what a day. Um, <laughs> so, when, when, did, when did you text me? That was Sunday. Yeah, well, I mentioned it to Foe. So Foe's the guy we've mentioned a couple times already. He's he's our he's the the filmer. <laughs> yeah, he does a lot of underwater. He, he tends to bring a lot of luck with him as well, on some type of fashion. It seems to be. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mentioned it to him on that Saturday. I was like, man, I'm off on Monday. Like, I really want to. I'm trying to shoot my first tuna, and that. And that's one of the things that's really got me this entire time because I've seen women come down here in Venice their first time and shoot tunas. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people come down here. I've been on the boat where a lot of days where I thought I could have shot a tuna, and for myself to claim to be a, a, an average spear fisherman and to be down in Venice for five, six years and still haven't shot a yellowfin, I ain't gonna lie, chap my ass a little bit. But uh, I knew that whenever that day came, it was going to be special. And I wanted it to be a big one, and I wanted it to be on film. Those were the things. I swear, it's like Monday happened just as I envisioned it. Like, it was pretty crazy. And honestly, a lot of people shoot them behind the shrimp boats and stuff. I probably shouldn't be saying that. But uh, it's true. A lot of people do. And the fact that I didn't get them behind a shrimp boat is kind of makes it a little bit more special to me as well. So... Uh, I've never, I mean, I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm sure it has, but I've never witnessed anybody shoot one where you shot it. I mean, I know that. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty crazy. But, yeah, so that Saturday I mentioned it to uh, Foad, and, you know, he said it was a possibility. And then, uh, of course, on that Sunday, it was like a, it was a, you had a trip that might have been Monday or Tuesday, wasn't it? Right, And it was kind of like a finagle there. So I, I mean, I was finishing up. I guess it was probably a five-day, six-day stretch of fishing, and um, I, dude, I mean, it was just so good that I was like, man, I can't not go back. You know, I need to go. My girlfriend was down with Michelle, and she had the dog down, and you know, it was just <clears throat> Travis. Was yeah, down yeah. Again. So that that was the crew right there, man. We had we had Foe, Joey, me. And then Michelle and and Travis and you can't ask and for a, dog, that's a most yeah dog. and the dog yeah yeah you can't ask for a more positive crew I mean it was There's just good, good vibes. vibes the entire day like it, the I, the day went uh, it's one of those days I don't think I'll ever forget you know no it's doubt crazy yeah and I remember you know you were loading your gear on the boat the night before and I was like. I just had it in my head. I was like, man, I can't let Paulie down. You know, these guys want to fish tomorrow or Tuesday, whatever. So, anyways, it worked out perfectly. The, the guys, were, they were on Bourbon Street drinking, so it wasn't really going to pan out for them to get on the boat on the, in the morning. So, you know, we moved that trip to Tuesday, decided to go fun fish Monday, and, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a day of epic proportions. I mean, it started out 
first drift we caught, Michelle caught that fish. I don't remember how big it was, 120 pounds or something. Yeah, yeah right out the okay. gate, which it was a nice fish, but it actually ended up being our smallest fish of the day. Yeah, yeah. They got bigger as the day went on. So <clears throat> caught that fish, you know, 120 pounds. You know, Michelle fought that fish all by herself. And yeah, that was her biggest tuna, right? Yeah, yeah. Her, biggest, her biggest yellow fin. Yeah, the accomplishment and, right there. Yep, so caught that one, and then we pulled back up and set up again. And what, 130 or so? Yeah, it was like a 130 we got. Yeah, and at that point, I was thinking, like, man, I've got to, I've got to get in the water and shoot one because if we catch any more of these things, we're gonna, we ain't gonna have room. Yeah, no. <laughs> and so that was in my mind. I was like trying to push people out the way to get in the water. Yeah, so Paul. <laughs> It's like, hey, man, you mind if I jump in on the next drip? Well, obviously, with a wide-open tuna bite, you know, it's tough to say, all right, let's put the brakes on. Let the dive yeah, let, let's stop what's working <laughs> and do something that we think might work or might not work. <laughs> yeah, so we pull back up, and Paul jumps in, and I, I think you saw him on your first dive. I mean... Well, no, I think I saw some sharks. It was about my third dive I saw the first one, and that, and that fish... It was a big fish. I don't. I, that that was probably the biggest one that I saw that day. I right. think that was a two hundred pounder. But he, it was the the way that the the uh, down here in Louisiana we have a lot of uh, merc layers and stuff. So the current on the surface and underneath was doing two opposite things. So it was really hard for me to land on on top of the chum. But on that dive, I saw a fish and he just rolled through. And I thought, you know, if I looked away from him and I tried to do the whole wahoo thing where you like look away from him and maybe they'll come circle back around. But that fish just kept swimming on through. And then, uh, I don't know. It felt like I kept seeing tunas like every other dive or so, as long as I was landing on the chum. And then, uh, so we finished that first drift and I missed one. That's right. I I missed, I missed a good one. And foe got all that on film too. So like, why I, as I saw, I, I saw my first tuna. Then foe wasn't that I wasn't on the boat, but didn't foe start yeah. getting all his stuff you together? Saw, you saw your first tuna, and all right. So backtrack a little bit. <clears throat> first thing that morning, we're leaving the camp, and foe knew Paul was going, but he didn't know that he was going to be getting in the water. So yeah, he said that's right, he yeah. he leaves all his gear at the camp. We get up, we get there. Paul has all his fins and everything, and foe's like, well. I mean, if Paul's jumping in the water, I'm jumping in the water. Yeah, that's what I was... I was looking at him crazy. I was like, what do you mean you're not bringing all your shit? Like, because... <laughs> yeah. Like, because Foe's got, like, a lot of stuff, man. He's got, like, cases of cameras and lenses and... Oh, it's crazy. All yeah, the shit and he was... Bring. So, he took my truck, ran back. We waited on him to get back. So, he ended up... It started out, he wasn't even going to bring his cameras. And then, uh... He ends up going back and getting his stuff and... Yeah, Paul pops up, man, dude, I saw one. Think next dive, he saw two or three, and Fogo goes ahead and gets his uh, gets his gear together, and uh, yeah, jumps in the water, and we finished the first drift. You know, Paul didn't get to shoot one on the first drift, but and we pulled back up, and it was well, he filmed me missing one, which I haven't seen the film from that one yet, um, but I I'd imagine it's pretty cool, um, but. I took. I remember coming up and Joey kept hearing me saying like, "You know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing him. I'm seeing him." He's and Joey's like, "Why haven't you shot him yet?" You know, like everybody. <laughs> it's a different yeah. story while you're down there. It's like, well, and he was like, "Well, just shot. go ahead and take a shot." So like that was kind of in the back of my mind. Like you know, like I took a shot. I knew I probably wasn't gonna make, but the the you know the the shaft was right in line, 
it just it fell a little short. I was a little too far away, so that that's why I missed that one. But it was still I was I I had felt like I'd still done something that day. The fact that I missed one and got it on film because that alone is just cool as shit to me. You know what I mean? Right. Like just just the fact that you know there's not a a crazy amount of people that have even shot a elephant that big but missing one right there was it was cool as hell just to see it on film I but, remember uh, I remember you got back I was like Paul get back in the boat every boat around us is hooking fish I'm like Paul get back in the boat we're going to make another drift and you were like dude I, I was wanting to put baits out. You were like, dude, please just let yeah, me Yeah, that's get what back. I... That was in the back of my mind. So we got out from that first drift. I missed that one. We kind of getting off the spot a little bit. And I was like, all right, well, let's, let's go. You wanted to make another drift and put out lines. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, like, these people are all, you know, like, we're hooking fish right now. If we, if we double... That puts me out of it. Like I'm not even gonna shoot. Yeah, you're, so, an hour, it, you're an hour. You're before you get back in the water. Right, exactly. And by then they they could so move you, or whatever. You said uh, you were like, look, let I'm, me get in first. Let me get in first. We're gonna make it at halfway through the drift, and then, you know, if I don't shoot one, then you can put lines out. We're like, okay, you know, it's like your first dr- dive. I yeah, think. yeah. And actually, I'll give a big shout out to uh, Captain Scott Leger. Uh Great guy. I hope to have him on the podcast one day, but he. He uh he did call he did call us over and he had a lot of tunes around the boat and yeah he he, he said uh, he said you had to go shoot one if you were gonna pull back yeah he, yeah he said he's like look <laughs> if Paulie wants to shoot a fish he come get my slick I've got a bunch of them but he better shoot one yeah yeah oh god I love Scott he's awesome dude but uh yeah so we got in and then it was like I don't know three dives into that drift I no, plugged it wasn't in. many it wasn't many dives it might two or three and uh yeah fish. I landed right on the chum. Um, the fish came right up. He, I mean, he was five feet away, and I put it. I put the shaft right between his uh, peck fin and his stomach. So, a lot of spear fishermen say that's that's the best holding shot you can get because that stomach uh, skin is like some of the thickest on the tuna. So that was a it was a really good holding shot. And then that fish whooped my ass, and I will say that with a lot, man. I fought that fish for an hour. Yeah, like. The fish pulled me and foe around for a little while. We got back in the boat, kind of looked at the film a little bit. The fish was still fighting. We got back in the water. The fish still pulled both of us around <laughs> in that current and everything. And uh, I had another, I had a little 90 Rob Allen in the boat. And uh, and I didn't have a, a lot of people, a lot of divers use like a tuna clip or something to work the fish up. And, I didn't have any of that, <laughs> like a dumbass. But uh, yeah, so like I got the fish, I got the fish all the way up to the shooting line. I dove down, and I put a shaft. I I swear I put it in his brain. I must have missed it. <laughs> but uh, I shot the fish again, and the fish just froze. And I thought that was it. Like I thought, man, like I stoned him. He's done. That's it. I get the fish in my hands, and. Uh, he wakes up he didn't like something i did and he wakes up and just tries to take everything i had one of the shooting lines around my hand and uh at that point i got scared so i just let everything go so now i'm back at square one again he's towing the buoy around so work the fish all the way up again um i put a knife in his head and the fish still isn't dead he's kind of got like a half-ass kick to him we're trying to take pictures with him in the water um foe me or diving down beneath the merc layer trying to get photos and stuff and then um 
which whenever I pass them off to the boat and the, the boat put the, I don't know who it was, Travis, or you put the gaff in them. The fish started freaking out again. Oh, yeah. we No. <laughs> well, I pulled him in the boat and the damn shaft's sticking out of him and it's freaking smashing against my deck. And I'm like, hold on. Yeah. Hey, you need to calm down. You're about to tear my boat yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I thought that fish was dead. But, I mean, it. Like, I'm glad it didn't do that in the water because I, that would have got really, really ugly really quick. Right. I mean, within the shafts and stuff going around, you're free swimming in the water. Man, that, that, that I mean, a 180-pound fish, man, I think could do a lot of damage. There's no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, man, we got that, we got that fish in the boat and it, and then what happened? <laughs> took uh, pictures and yeah, all we that. Took, we took some pictures and gave some high fives and called everybody on the radio and told them how cool we were. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that, that was a, that was a pretty cool moment, man. It was, it was very uh, rewarding to get to be a part of that first one you shot. Oh, you know, dude, it awesome. definitely was. And it was all on film. It was all, That was the best part, man. The, the fact that Foe was there and got it all on film was insane. But, um, yeah, so after that, what did we do? We, we pulled back up, and what did you say? Uh, yeah, we're going to put lines back out. Yeah. But we're only, we're 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 gonna release. The idea was we wanted to get video of them releasing. We're gonna release them if they're under 150 pounds. Yeah. So <laughs> we said, you know, we've got three big fish in the box, and anything that we catch that isn't 150 pounds, we're gonna release it. And well, we pulled up, we put two baits out, we doubled, and they were over 150 pounds. They were both 180s, and. I will say, guys, that was a lot of tuna. It's probably more than a lot of people should kill on any, any given day. Honestly, though, man, like uh, with all this stuff going on, yeah, that's that's one thing that we're gonna say that, that, and you know, whenever whenever I was you know fighting those last couple fish, you know, there was a lot of part, big part of me that want to let these fish go. But as you guys all might know, the coronavirus and everything that's going on right now, there's a lot of people that need fish within our families. My freezer's full now, which I'm grateful for. Um, yeah, I mean, that, all these fish are for use. I've given some fish to some people from down here. I actually stocked our freezer up in the city. Um, I gave fish to some people up there as well. So. Oh, it's no joke. That's a good idea to do, yeah, man. I mean, that, I mean, that was the whole idea behind the thing. You know, maybe, that was a big part of us going fun fishing was the fact that we needed we needed fish to feed ourselves. I mean, like. It wasn't a week ago. I went to I went to the grocery store and stocked up on three months worth of food, just in case you know we don't have. I mean, we don't like people like to say that might be dumb or whatever, but no, like you don't really know what's gonna happen with all the stuff that's going on with the coronavirus. So I, I I feel like we played it smart. You know, it was a good thing. Yeah, and we none of it went to waste. I mean, no, all of it's vacuum sealed. No. I even frozen. kept all the collars. I mean, you know, all that stuff's gonna go to good use for sure. But it was definitely an incredible day. Uh, one of the most incredible days I can ever think of. I don't, I don't know a single day I've caught that many big fish and speared one. So well, no. <laughs> that, that was, was a unique day. A day of epic proportions. So. Yeah. yeah, there's no doubt. Um, let me see. I got a list of questions here to make sure I covered everything we want to get on there. Um from a couple stories um so in terms of conservation uh as that you could give to like any sportsman um it could be just about fishing or whatever um 
that's one of the things I want to talk about on this podcast is conservation. And a big part of that is, guys, um, I want to talk about conservation because I feel like just about every sportsman, especially down here in, in Venice and a lot of places, everybody believes in some level of conservation. But everybody believes in a lot of different things. So hopefully this could be an effort to get everybody on somewhat of the same page. Because if, you know, if we all do, if we all believe in conservation in a certain way, then maybe we can see the effects from it. But if we all believe it in a, in a different way, then it's a lot harder to see the effects and what we're doing. Um, so, you know, just, just give us your little two cents on what you think about conservation and, and maybe even what direction us as recreational people can can move toward. Man, so, you know, I by, by no means am I saying that I have the knowledge that some of these guys have down here that have been here for, you know, 20 plus years. But <clears throat> in, in my mind, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's a blessing that we get to do what we do for a living and, you know, or even just for fun, you know what I mean? Just the uh, the stuff that we get to see, the stuff we get to do, you know, I feel like it's a blessing that we get to do. We're very blessed with our fishery, you know, how close, you know, in pro- close proximity that we can catch all these fish and do all these things. And I just think that there's no reason to be selfish and take more than you need. Right. Can, you know, can we outfish these fish with a rod and reel? I don't know. I mean... We, we yeah, don't that's know. a big debate. A lot of people say that you can't. Um, but but why try? Like, you know, why, why, try. why should we exactly. try and you know prove prove either either or? You know, so basically, you know, we've kind of all come up with a system of you know with these big fish, you know, trying to do one per person, right? You know, not kill more than we need, and yeah, and if you got customers on the boat, I mean, that's one of the first things I ask my customers every day, whenever they get on the boat. Um, which is a little bit easier to do with inshore, I would say, than it is offshore, um, just because there's a lot of species that you can't. It's a little bit more difficult, like wahoos and stuff, to catch and release. Um, right. But with inshore, you know, that's one of the first things I ask my customers when they get on the boat every day is, do you guys want to keep fish? Because if they don't want to keep fish, I might keep one or two for myself. But if not, like we let everything go, and you know that 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 alone can go a long ways with uh you know conservation just you know people want to catch and release fish a lot of these people are coming from all over and if they don't want to bring back fish you know that that's one thing i will say to a lot of guides like check with your people you know that's the that's the worst feeling to me as a guide so when i come back with the box full of fish and the customer you know you're like packaging like customers look at you like what are we supposed to do with all this fish and it's like (laughs) well i hope somebody uses it right (laughs) i mean so yeah, that's. No, it's just it goes. I mean, I I can't say that everybody learned this way, but you know, my dad, my grandfather, you know, always taught me, you know, if you're gonna kill it, you better eat it. Yeah. And <clears throat> when it comes to these big tunas or even the little ones, you know, there's about a seventy percent yield on a yellowfin. Yeah. So I mean, you're talking about a hundred pound yellowfin yields seventy pounds of meat. I mean, right, right. You kill you kill a bunch of those, you've got a lot of meat. I mean, you better be prepared to feed your family, your neighbors yeah and and for all the customers out there come prepared man like if you you know if if you plan on you know coming back with a lot of fish bring coolers you know plan on taking care of it all plan on you know vacuum sealing it doing what you got to do to take care of all the fish because uh you know it all needs to go to good use and that's a that's a that's a big part one thing you know that i'll say in uh in terms of conservation is 
I personally feel like that a recreational fisherman need to start moving into uh, limits that make sense. So if we can kill uh, two red snapper per person, it doesn't make sense that our yellowfin limit is three per person on a federal level. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, like, I feel like everybody should move. Uh, we can't change the laws tomorrow, but I feel that uh, recreational fishermen, if they all get on the same page, we can make those changes within ourselves. So it doesn't make sense to me that we can go out, if you have eight people on the boat, captains and deckhands included, you can go and kill 24 yellowfin over 100 pounds if you wanted to. That's the limit. And a lot of people feel like if they have to catch the limit in order to feel like they have a good day. That's not the case. You can have a phenomenal day without catching a limit of whatever species it is. And, I, you know, I tell a lot of people with fishing, you know, don't get caught up in all the, the social media stuff. Like, a lot of people, you know, they come back, they look on Facebook, somebody did better than you that day, and you feel like you didn't do as well. That's bullshit. Like, yeah, no. if you had fun that day... Think about your day and what went on that day. Don't think about what everybody else did, because that's not that's not what it that's not what it's about. It's about you going out there and having a good time. So that's kind of my little two cents for today on the conservation. But. Right. Um, what else? We're coming up on fifty minutes. Um, I guess that's about it. Anything else you want to say? With the podcast? I think you covered it all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, uh, Joey, I really appreciate you. And uh, everybody, I hope you guys enjoyed our first episode of Tuna Town Talks. And uh, hope you got, I hope to be doing it a couple more times with more captains down here. Uh, I'm not sure who the next victim is going to be. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm sure we'll have some um, somewhat popular names coming on here, hopefully. So uh, with that, go ahead and say your goodbyes, Joey. And we'll wrap this thing up it's been fun (laughs) i appreciate it all right guys y'all have a good one thanks for listening everybody please give us a follow on facebook or instagram at tuna town talks also if you'd like to book a charter with me you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com that's mexican gulf website where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates and remember guys always be safe while out on the water have a good one